Hey, one fans, Andy here. We're going to Cisco Live, and we can't wait to see you there. If we see you wearing an A1 or Cables to Cloud shirt at Cisco Live, we'll enter you in our giveaway that includes a bunch of cool prizes like an A1 branded Yeti cup and an OCG of your choice from our friends at Cisco Press. Don't have a shirt? No problem. Head to the link in our bio and grab yours today. See you soon. This is the Art of Network Engineering podcast. In this podcast, we'll explore tools, technologies, and talented people. We aim to bring you information to expand your skill sets and toolbox and share the stories of fellow network engineers. Welcome to the Art of Network Engineering podcast. My name is Aaron Weiler. I am one of your co-hosts. You can find me all over the internet as Aaron Engineered. And with me, I have Andy Laptef. Hello, everybody. Uh, who is at Andy Laptef, currently undergoing a, a rebranding to permit IP Andy Andy. Stay tuned. Um, AJ Murray. How's it going? You can find him all over the internet at no blinky blinky at no blinky blinky pretty much everywhere toys are sold um and then last certainly not least mr daniel richards out there in tennessee howdy uh he avoids the internet like the plague although he knows how it works uh that was enough for him to realize he wanted to stay off of social media so that's kind of his shtick um so we have a very distinguished prominent guest from the community his name is danny um and he's joining us today and we just kind of wanted to pick his brain a little bit because we find it beneficial for us selfishly to learn from the other people and kind of how they went through things and maybe some day-to-day stuff that they go through that you wouldn't know about from you know reading a book or taking a course or even you know getting an mba so we draw on those experiences to make us smarter selfishly like i said so we're going to share that with everybody else because just, you know what, that's just how nice we are. Um, so, Danny, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Hey, guys. Um, Danny Finan, uh, design architect at a value-added reseller. Not sure if I can name drop here or not, so we'll leave that one for later. Go for um, it. I'm, I'm, uh, go for it? All right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a design architect over at Red River Technologies. Um, been doing networking for over 15 years now. Uh, first five were from the Marine Corps. Next seven-ish, I guess. We're um, over in healthcare, and then from there, professional services, and finally, uh, where I'm at today. Um, just kind of, I guess, overall, my background. You know, it's always just trying to make it work. I remember being that that uh, going back to the Marines, the PFC sitting there in front of a blinking monitor, and them go, "Okay, configure the BGP." And I'm like, why do Marines have BGP? I thought you guys just carried rifles. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I guess that excuse didn't work out. Um, you know, I, at the end of the day, I just didn't want to fail. So I kept kind of keeping that mantra for the past 15 years. You know, don't give up, don't fail. And it's gotten me pretty far so far. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, so those early, obviously in the military, you're not a design architect, right? Um, what was the first job out of the military then in IT? In the Marines, I was uh, technology system. So it was um, your one-stop IT shop, network, server, and end user computing, that kind of stuff. But I actually got my CCNP right before I got out of the Marines. So I was lined up for a networking gig, gig in healthcare. 
Uh, started as a network engineer too, um, progressed into a senior network engineer before, honestly, outgrew that and moved on to a value-added re- reseller. Basically, you switched sides, right? So, so everybody that doesn't know what a value-added reseller is, can you explain that to us? Yeah, sorry about that. So basically, <clears throat> what you can do is you you order. Anybody can go on eBay. Anybody can go on Amazon. Buy your Cisco switches. Buy your Juniper gear. Um, what a value-added reseller is trying to do is, it's going to sound really bad, add value to what they're reselling. So <laughs> The name <laughs> is the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're buying, for example, a NAC, you know, they're going to sell you Cisco Ice, no big deal. But they're also going to look at your infrastructure and say, oh, I see you're also running Firepower. Do you know that your Ice identities you're using here can be used over in Firepower? So it's really that... Looking at the customer, obviously we need to sell stuff to stay in business, but when we look at the customer, I'm not trying to make a one-time sell. I'm not trying to just say, okay, this this duct tape will hold it all together until I'm out of their state. It really is about, okay, here's what they got. Here's all their Legos so far, but if they go buy that Harry Potter castle set, well, then I can take it to the next degree. Then I can really start adding to their collection and fitting them with their business goal. So, So basically... We call you know the podcast is called the art of network engineering. You got the art, my friend. That's it, <laughs> right? That's the art part, I would imagine, right? Because I mean, look, there's so much of it is scientific. I mean, you can read the uh, the stuff that we read, like technical documents, white papers. I mean, they are that's about as sciencey as it's going to get, right? And so it's a tough read, but there has to be something out there to manipulate it i'll just give you an example because I, I i feel like your job is cool um because it's much like mine selfishly um no but more but more so I, I like i like the art part of it because you're going in and you've you've got this list of like technical stuff in your head so you know how all that all that works right now those are just like tools in your chest so that you can just kind of walk up and grab whatever tool you want but you know you don't have like a multi-tool right you've got a bunch of very specific individualized tools that you can use for any job and or paint a picture, right? So to speak. So you can go in and say, Hey, look, yeah, any of these will work, but it's, it's why this will work. And, and because of your environment, X, Y, Z, right? So you, you, you have like more colors on the palette to paint with, I guess is the best way to put it. It, it really reminds me if you guys ever remember that lemony snicket that had Jim Carrey in it. It's like when the, the inventor kid goes out and he sees the, or the, no, it was the girl, the guy, the guy read the books and he sees like a picture and all of a sudden these books start sliding out of the shelf of what he needs to reference for his knowledge. Like that's, that's really what it seems like. You go somewhere and they're like, oh, well, you know, we're running such and such. You're like, okay, that makes sense. But we want to do this. And you're like, oh, but wait, we add some of this over here and grab some of that spice and. I never thought in my life I would need to adjust a EIGRPK value, but now I do, you know, and you're so proud of yourself because you're like, I finally figured out that one use case when anybody would ever want to do this. I still haven't come across that one, but I bet it's out there. I'm waiting for it. I bet it is. Yeah, I know. I do. I think I do enough smack talking on here that I got like a world of hurt coming to me because everything that I say, like poor frame relay i'm gonna get somewhere next week and they're gonna be like so we have this in gigantic six hundred thousand site frame relay network um and we're gonna need you to re-ip it and just watch me just like faint in my chair that's just karma for me i guess <laughs> um 
But yeah, like that's all. That's all about mapping the Delcy. Mapping the Delcy and hope for the best. If you get us started (laughs) on this, it's just not going to end well because I can't contain myself, and it's not with enthusiasm. It's with (laughs) grotesque anger, uh, pure hatred. Um, But anyway, uh, so yeah, I think being an architect is one of those things that people don't think about, and this is just me projecting a little bit. They don't think about when maybe they're like in school, like college per se, or like, like yourself in the military. Um, could, I mean, did you know that an, a, a, maybe an architect, but like you're, you're more of a, um, you're a designer too, right? So like, did you know that that job existed when you were in the military and you were just kind of getting your CCNP? Uh, I'll be honest. No. Yeah. For starters. And yeah. I mean, even, even now it was just like, I'm just trying to make sure I see that SNMP like link stayed up adjacency up. Like, as long as I see that, I'm happy. And it doesn't matter what the solution is. You know, at the end of the day, once you see that it works, you get that excitement. I mean, I, I refuse to give up the keyboard. That's why I went architect instead of management. And really your, your technical engineering path can take you so many different places. You might reach a point, I know a guy that's uh, dual CCIE who's an account exec because he's like, I just don't like it. You know, I could do it, but I don't like it anymore. I'm like, dude, how do you, how do you not like it after two CCIEs? I feel like after one, you could probably kind of draw that line in the sand sand there. Um, But for me, it was, um, you know, I was always kind of leading the projects, even in my customer environment. It was always, this is the project I'm doing. These are the resources I needed. Here's the capital I'm asking for and packaging that up and then coming over to uh, Red River, it was that same kind of mentality. Okay, customer wants me to do this, so I don't have to worry about money, but here's the people I need. Here's how we need to do this. And really this solution just kept getting bigger and bigger. It's like a junkie looking for that next fix. Like, oh, cool. I just did firepower. That's a good start, but oh, firepower and ice. Yeah, that's that's getting it going. Oh, what's, what's that stealth watch over there? Oh yeah, I got to hit that too. And you just, you keep throwing ingredients in there because you just can't get enough. You need the next thing to come in there with it. So, so speaking of ingredients, let's say architect was a pie chart. You would nitty gritty nerd knobs fill up more of the pie chart or is it a big picture thing? Like what, what is a day in the, in the life of an architect look? I think that's such a a loaded question because I know architects where the nerd knobs um, have to get the little line off of the pie chart because they're such a small sliver. They don't, they're so worried about the big picture that they don't know the, the individual tech pieces. For me, I can't even put it on a pie chart. I'd have to stack it. You know, I, I can't design if I don't understand the product and I know plenty of people that can, maybe that's a shortcoming of mine. But, you know, if we're putting in, you name, like if I'm putting in a Zscaler or Prisma Access, if I don't understand how that gets implemented and how it works, how can I confidently build on that? Because if I'm assuming that I can use identities from the NAC and actually it's SAML, then I'm kind of stuck. I'm like, well, wait, now my whole design breaks down. So I can't even pie chart it. To me, it's, it's both. You have to understand the tools. And then once you understand the tools, you understand how to put it all together. I mean, that's my thing. Aaron, sounds like we're cut from the same cloth. What do you think? No, I I would say, because I thought where you were starting to go with it was, I, I like your approach of stacking, but I thought where you were going to go was like, you know, it depends on where you are in the stack would vary the the size and shape of the pie, right? Like, 
like so using your stack model like going further up the stack you know pragmatically just kind of going through the steps and then you know now you're in this design phase i mean you know throw the nerd knobs out the window at that point right it's like half product solution set mixed with the other half of design so it's like 50 50 right <laughs> you know and you're like okay i gotta make everybody happy um but then you move on to like you know the earlier stages and it's just like you're just gathering information right and then you're really starting to think in a different track i mean it's it keeps you on your toes which is probably why it's such a fun job honestly um there's never two that are the same every network is different um i think it's cool daniel has a different experience than than um most of us um andy's been a few places but um, Andy just runs a, a single WAN right now, just like Daniel. They they have a single LAN WAN, and it's strange to me because I, I always think like like what kind of day to day stuff would you have to be doing there? Because I I have so many different networks that I'm touching at the same time, and none of them are remotely close in nature, you know. And it's just strange. Yeah. Like for me, I would almost like I guess basically what I'm saying is I could I would like throw that question back on Dan like. Like, what does your pie chart look like? Because my <laughs> mine, I can't even describe. <laughs> but I'm I'm curious. Like, what is what is a normal person's look like? Because I all I do is hear problems and try to come up with solutions. Yeah. So uh, most of my pie is probably like playing Halo and sending memes. <laughs> Are they Halo memes too? Are you double dipping? Yeah, red versus blue, man. <laughs> I didn't didn't know you guys had Halo out there yet. Yeah. It just it just it just dropped, man. <laughs> My, mine's kind of all over the map though. Like I mean I can be speaking with a vendor, you know, we have multiple vendors for, you know, different products and mine could be working on like the other day I was working on a VPN tunnel between us and a vendor and they were having issues with I think they had a weird NAT on their side that they weren't natting to the correct IP on our side. Because we, because we had, we share a similar subnet on each side of the tunnel, and so they had to do some kind of weird net. And but I mean, that's like one example, right? And that doesn't happen all the time. But it's just you have so many different vendors. You know, it could be one vendor one day, a completely different vendor another day type. Yeah, I think maybe your situation is more like uh, every day is like a unique problem with almost like a nerd knob right so like yeah like like okay so in in a situation that you just described you're like you know what i'm i've done nothing but try to get this vpn to work all day which is very big pain in the butt um but like i don't look at at the like the macro level like that ever you know what i mean i'm like you know i don't tell anybody like like, hey, make sure you're using this sort of encryption for your VPN because this vendor is only using this. You know, I, I don't, I don't get to that level. Well, so. Dan's flying the spaceship. At the end of the day, I feel like Aaron, what, what you're describing is, you know, we're out there and we're saying, hey, these are the thrusters you should buy. These are the good ones. Here's your fuel ratio. But Dan gets in the spaceship. He's the one who's got to navigate it once it gets out there to say. Okay, well, they gave me the thrusters, but here's where I got to let them loose. Here's how I have to avoid that giant meteor coming. Or I'm going to be calling Aaron again and being like, hey, man, there's thrusters you just put in. Yeah, I lost them somewhere along the way. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's almost like, you know, we 
we get everything together and basically have come up with a decision that's going to affect the rest of your life for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, but we just slide you the manual. <laughs> We're like, here you go. If you actually, we'll send you the PDF so that you can control off your problem. Um, but you know, I didn't realize I had anxiety in design architect now, but I'm glad we, we added that back in. Now I can have anxiety every time we're solutioning. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Whose life did I just destroy? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you guys know this is going to be a lot of heavy lifting, right? They're like, Oh yeah. Like, I don't think you do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's all bad. No, network refreshes are hard, man. So like a value added reseller is, is a, a cool job to have because it's not always just like a network refresh. It could be an augmentation or, you know, it could be a green field, you know, it could be, you know, just adding to what they currently have. So, I mean, there's lots of cool different things you can do within that. Um, I just think you get like accelerated, like network. Uh, I don't know how to put that visibility. <laughs> you get like desensitized. You're like, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it goes back. Uh, so when I transitioned, um, I used to just kind of come over the crest, you know, most people had it, most people were aware of it, but I think that's, that's my best example is ice. You know, I remember putting ice in for my environment and it's really like, this is, this is ICE. Okay, this is the best practice because I looked at the Cisco white papers and I researched this and I asked Cisco and I went through all this stuff. But then coming over here, you know, the first six months, there's five more ICE projects. So the first one, you put it in and you get that off and everything's working. You're like, yeah. And you come over here and you kind of get it working. You're like, yeah, I've seen it. Seen it. Like, no, I don't want to do I don't even want to do that one. That one, I'm used to that. So when was there already architects at Red River when you got hired there? Or are you the only guy? No, I wish that would be that would be cool. No, um, the team had already been formed. In fact, one of the uh, our wireless expert uh, was one of the people instrumental in getting me over. It's just I've known him for the past at that time eight years, but now eight plus now however many years. <laughs> um, but when I came over, actually the guy who used to hold my spot. Um, extremely brilliant individual. He was dual CCIE uh, network or route switch and security. And literally he was the guy you wanted to know. If you had a question and it was a networking question, go ask him. And he could, <laughs> so yeah, well, like I said, the guy who used to have my position because they needed to find a new sucker for it. Um, <laughs> but I mean, he he was the guy in the know. He knew everything. He knew where to point you. Um, but ultimately, you know, he was the only guy in the know and where we started growing, uh, what would that be horizontally? So not just within Cisco, but all the other OEMs now, um, it works out great for me because I can reach out to all the OEMs and get support. But for him, I think his head exploded, you know, now wait, you're telling me I need to go replicate what I have with Cisco over with Juniper, over with Aruba, over with. Arista, oh, I need to worry about VMware now and ACI because data center fell under him. And I think he's like, I'm I'm tapping out. I'm drowning here. Um, and he moved on. And like his next role was a management position, a management director somewhere around there. So it fits him. He's got the technical background. But in terms of hands-on keys, I think he's, he's hanging up his keyboard. I think he was the only guy that I know, and I, I need to ask him at some point. He he might be the only one I know that didn't suffer from the imposter syndrome. 
Hmm. He was actually confident in what he did. Maybe he just was also desensitized. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the cure to the imposter syndrome? That's uh, the big it, question. It could be. You know, the. I think you, if you don't have it, there's something wrong with you. Um, personally, but I'm not saying you always have it. Maybe the idea should be, you know, when, when you feel like you don't have it anymore, you're in the wrong job. So, so let me ask, is that something you would, you would go to an engineer with? If you, you said, Hey, let's go with solution X over here. And, but maybe your knowledge level on that solution X isn't that deep. It, would you go to an engineer, another architect, or just reach out to maybe that that vendor, or like what what would your next steps be in that? Yeah, I guess for me, like the big one was um, I remember like Prisma Access and Zscaler because I don't know either solution to the nth degree. I know that I had put in Z or my team. I shouldn't even say me. I know my team had put in Zscaler. I know my team had put in Prisma Access how they integrate, how they work. I know a little bit. So I think that's going back to the pie chart. That's part of the pie chart is, okay, the customer wants this set of functionality. I know that these solutions can do it. Now I'm going to go back to the OEMs and say, hey, you said you can do this. How do you do this? And so I think another piece of that is translating what the customer is asking for to what the OEM is saying they can do. Because a lot of times customers will ask for will think they're asking for one thing when really they're asking for another. So they're ignoring maybe a particular um, OEM or a particular technology because they're like, oh, that doesn't fit what I'm looking for. Well, actually it does. It's just, you're not looking at it the right way. Is that a, is that a familiarity thing though, too? Because you know, I would find that sometimes, and I'm not saying myself, I try to be agnostic, but your familiarity with something will help your own um, convincing of yourself, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you know, all things created equal. It's like, okay, so Greenfield, I had the choice 50-50 between Juniper and Cisco. What do I do? I have familiarity with both, right? I mean, the, the answer is, you know, you want, obviously want to gauge the customer's level of, you know, committedness there to either one of those vendors. But I, I if it was entirely up to me, well, I mean, what difference does it make? And usually it probably comes down to like, well, okay, maybe I'm a little bit more comfortable with Cisco since they both kind of do the same thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, the seesaw starts tipping because now I got another Cisco one under my belt. And guess what I'm going to do the next time around? Well, I just <laughs> did, you know, a hundred site implementation of, you know, ISRs and, you know, so I don't know. I, I It's hard to be vendor agnostic um and really not point them to towards something that you're almost like a fanboy of too you know yeah but i I think if you if you know that it's a solid solution why not recommend it no that's what i'm saying so like all things being completely equal right like like i think juniper is just solid at cisco there's gonna be like nuances of both right but if it was like completely new and it's like i'm i guess i'm like I know it's happening, but I would say like unconscious bias, but I'm totally conscious of it. But I think that goes into play a little bit because it's like I use this all the time, right? Like all my stuff in my in my home lab is Cisco. You know, that's all I touch. That's all I read papers on usually because uh, their stuff's the best written. So 
I'm probably like outlining the world economy at this point because the, like I, I'm like, I wonder what the numbers are of like people that have suggested like people like yourself, like who's a VAR and um, people in my position who have control as to what equipment goes where for some of these large deals. It's like, and if I had just like a, threw up a, a quarter and said heads or tails, like you're going with one, one vendor or another. And then all of a sudden I start doing that vendor and over and over and I'm more apt to sell it. Right. Or be comfortable with it. Cause I've done it so many times. And now all of a sudden, like everybody's doing it. Right. And now they have the market share and I just collapsed the world's economy and gave, <laughs> and gave all the money to one vendor. So I, I have to say with that, cause I completely agree with you. Um, and again, hashtag love where you work. Uh, one thing I love about Red River is having all these OEMs. I'm trying my hardest to get away from exactly what you're talking about because you're right, it is bias. You know, I have a greenfield deployment and money's not an option. Okay, your Cisco catalysts go here with your Cisco Nexus over here and your Cisco and your Cisco and your Cisco. Um, so really what we started doing was we built out, uh, we're actually, I, I say we, I need to go finish building out the second lab that we have in uh, Virginia. Um, but we're getting away from the hardware and we're getting to the point where we're trying to tell the story. So when you think about Cisco's story for the access layer, you know, DNA center, SDA, ICE, that's the story they're telling you. But you can't just say, well, this is why Cisco's better. If you turn around and you look at like Juniper's Juno security suite, uh, Juno security director and all that, that's a story. And quite honestly, you know, when you look at these customers who best and breed everything, I have Juniper switches and I have Palo firewalls. It's like, yeah, you got best and breed, but you don't have anything to show for it because you're waiting for these two OEMs to say, it's okay. I didn't want that market share here. You can have it. So really, I mean, that that's what I'm trying to work towards is to say, what's the Juniper story? If I gave a customer a full Juniper network, this is what you'd gain. Do you want that? Because some of them, it's like, no, I don't, I don't care. I don't want that. It's like, all right, well, fine. Well, do you want this over here? You know, but giving that story really helps the customers translate what that dollar amount and what that, that statement of work is in terms of what they're trying to align their company to. Hmm. Dude, here's a question. How does one, so since the cat's out of the bag now, we all know what a, a design architect is. Um, solutions architect, sign architect. Um, how does one aim themselves in that trajectory? Like, let me just give you an example. I So I just passed my CCNA yesterday. I didn't miss a single question. I'm ready to go for the workforce, right? I'm applying for jobs starting tomorrow. How do I get to the point where I can be a solutions architect? Pay your dues. I know that sounds dumb, but I think that that's, if I were to give anybody advice, it's pay your dues. Um, like, even like you said, Aaron, it's, you have to get that experience. You have to get rid of, things have to become mundane to you because you've seen it so many times and you've seen it so many different ways. Because the number one question that's always asked is, what what's everybody in the industry doing? Well, what else, you know, what are customers in my industry doing? Yep. Well, how do other people do this? Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to go in and you're like, hey, like you said, I aced my CCNA. I'm ready for the big leagues. Heck, I aced my CCIE, but I've never seen a net, you know, I've never seen a production network. It's not going to work out because so much of it is experience and it's a snowball effect. You see one network, then you see two. 
you gotta see the third one because you've seen these two and they recommended you. Now you see four, five, 20, 30, and you see so many networks and so many implementations of the same products. You can talk to the customer, you can see what their shortcomings were. You know, you didn't, just because you sold them um, a particular piece of technology, you walked away and they realized that the overhead of it is ridiculous. <clears throat> Splunk. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh boy. so they just said, you know, I, I love it. It's a log aggregator. It's doing everything I want, but I can't search for data because I slept through my SQL class in college. Um, you know, and that, that's the kind of feedback you need to hear. You need, and then you go talk to Splunk and you say, listen, guys, you have an awesome product. I'm hearing complaints that people just can't find it intuitive. And they're like, well, go show them where the technology add-ons are. And you're like, okay, I didn't know that was a thing, but it's really building that experience. So 100% on your CCNA through CCIE, JNCIE, first thing I'm gonna tell you is go pay your dues. If, if you are ready to go, willing to travel, willing to meet a lot of customers, go team up with professional services and spend at least three years in professional services. Preferably like 10 years experience, but at least three years in professional services. What's professional services for those of us who don't know? Oh, sorry. Um, those are the guys who are actually doing it. So I get the luxury of designing these complex, you know, thousand different technology solutions and going, okay, guys, giddy up. Here you go. Let me know if you got any questions. And they just but get a bunch of boxes. That... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're about to get three skids worth of stuff. Um, here. <laughs> Here's some crayon drawings on the back of a bar napkin. Let me know if this works for you. And some power cables. <laughs> <laughs> Usually the wrong power cables. cables. And the wrong power cables. <laughs> yeah, they're all DC. So Danny, you, you, you said pay your dues. And so I'm a network engineer and I basically implement what my architects design and hand over, just like you said. And I think my, you know, my career goal eventually, I mean, you know, you want to reach the peak, right? So I, I, I would like to be an architect someday, but I guess it's different for each person. And and I like to ask architects. I mean, ha, you know, I want to be an architect. How do I become one? And 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 I had one guy tell me, you know, well, you have to learn all the systems in the data center. You, you know, you you have to know about network and load balancers and servers and and, and blah blah blah. So I, I, I guess my question to you is like, how do you or, or how would I know, you know, when I can go from implementer guy who gets handed designs to an architect, a guy, you know, who's designing and, and I know you said pay your dues and it is probably different for each person, but I, I you know, how do I get there? I guess, you know, you're, you're talking to an implementer. I, I've been building networks. I've been maintaining networks. I've been, you know, I, I've been in the job for, I don't know, maybe five years now. I don't understand design that well, to be honest with you. So, you know, maybe I need to jump into design. Anytime I get an opportunity to talk to an architect, it's like, hey, how do I get, you know, to where you are? And, and I get pay your dues, but get is a, there any other? Yeah, give him an like an actionable plan here. Like what would be your first steps? Be as, be as specific as possible, please. Now give it, get, we'll use Andy here as an example, because I think this goes against like what we were talking about earlier. Tons of experience doing exactly what you said. He's the guy that you get handed the design. Where does he go from here? Right. So um, I guess the first thing is, and I, I'm sorry for quoting all these movies, but guess what I do in my spare time? Um, <laughs> they just better be good. Spider-Verse. Uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. When uh, he says, when Miles Morales says, well, how do I know when I'm ready? And he says, you won't. It's a leap of faith. 
And I, I really like, that's why I love that movie because it literally is believing in yourself and knowing I'm ready for this. So to your point, Andy, you know, you get handed these, go do this, go do this. When you start looking at that and kind of questioning it, well, wait a second. I see, I see why he designed it this way, but what about this piece? You know, he's, is he forgetting this piece? And um, I'll admit, I, I feel like I'm probably one of the luckiest people in the world. Um, I don't think I'm smart. I think I'm just really, really lucky. Um, because for me, I've been working for and with really amazing people for the past 15 years. So when I have those questions, when I go back and say, yeah, again, I still remember being the the peon Marine and going to my uh, captain and getting yelled at later by my staff sergeant, but going to my captain and saying, uh, sir, you know, I see that you requested a slash 24. Didn't you mean a slash 21 here? And, uh, you know, then the staff sergeant pulls me aside and corrects me for my actions. And the captain has to interrupt him and go, staff sergeant, you know, that, that'll be all. Uh, Lance Corporal Fine and PFC Fine, and you're right. That was a 21. We have eight networks here. You know, so it's these small things and you eventually, you outgrow your shell. You know, you get to that point when you look at these implementations and you say, I know why I'm doing this. I know how I'm doing this. I don't want to keep doing this because there's no excitement. There's no thrill. I'm not learning anything. I'm just not progressing anymore. And, you know, I I feel like everybody on this podcast, I listened to y'all's podcast so far. You'll know because you'll outgrow your shell um, and you'll, you'll have no way to go. And you'll say, I need some new challenge. And when you hit that point, you're going to, you're going to move to the next role. Not all engineers evolve into architects. You know, some go into management because they love enabling other people. Some go into teaching because they understand it, they know it, but they want to. They love watching that spark happen with somebody else. Uh, me personally, I'm selfish. I like solving problems myself. I like watching everything come to life off of me planting that seed. So for me, architect was was a beautiful thing, and really, it came from me meeting with a customer about, oh, you know, an install. And by the time we're done talking, they're calling up their sales rep saying, okay, well, I'm also going to need uh, two of these firewalls. And he had mentioned some sort of IDS network thingy, and I need one of those. And so you're, you're generating these solutions because you're looking at what the customer has and you're saying, or you're looking at what the environment has. And he said, but if we just had this, if we just had this one more thing, our network would be 10 times better. And so it's really, it's really seeing the next step and the next two steps, what's around you and how to make it better. It actually makes a lot of sense. And questioning the designs you're handed and asking, you know, if there's a better or, or different way. And I guess the follow-up to that would be, you mentioned imposter syndrome earlier. I, I know in my career, Every time I've kind of reached that quote unquote next level and I'm surrounded by smarter and smarter people, that's when my imposter syndrome kicks in, you know, because I'm comparing myself to these super brains and I'm like, oh man, how do I match up? So did, did your, did it get worse when you did take that step into architecture? Like, oh my God, I'm surrounded by geniuses. Do I belong here? And I feel like every time you move up one rung on that ladder, you're going to get that, you're going to get slapped with that again, because you you're entering a new environment. You know, when I worked in the customer environment for me, I felt like I knew everything that was happening. I knew all of my loopback I management IPs off the back of my head. Like I could get to anything. 
oh, PC at this IP address is having an issue. Well, that means it's correlated to this. And that came from, you know, you had it all mapped out. Um, so I felt like I knew what I was doing. I mean, when, when we left there, we were usually standing up, tearing down around 10 offsites a year. So for me, building it soup to nuts, you know, to the point of quoting out the APCs and the racks and everything, that was second nature. And then I came and worked at Red River, you know, as a VAR. And I was back, I wasn't even at square zero. I was at like square negative two because everybody's better than me. I've only seen one environment. These guys have seen, you know, even the most junior guy after me has already seen 10 networks. So it really felt like, okay, when are they going to catch on and finally fire me? You know, <laughs> and, and to be honest, I don't think a day of my life, I'm not an anxious person, but I don't think there's been a single work day of my life where I'm not like, they're going to figure me out. Today's the day. <laughs> you know? And that's comforting so, for me to hear. Cause yeah, that, that, that comes up a lot, especially if you are pushing yourself and, you know, trying to get better and better and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. When, when are they going to find out and, and walk me out the door? I mean, it's ridiculous if you take a step back and think about that thought process we're having, but it's, it's always comforting to me because I'm sitting here listening to you and Aaron talk and I'm like, wow, this guy's really smart. He knows a lot of stuff I don't. I've never touched ice. I don't even know what this other thing is, he said. But then to hear that somebody at your level, you know, also feels sometimes that imposter syndrome. It just helps me because it's it's comforting to know somebody like you. I mean, I'm sorry that it hits you, but it it helps me. It it honestly, I mean, to your point, it it is kind of ridiculous to think about. It is kind of silly to say, oh, you know. I'm going to be fired tomorrow, especially when you get that one negative feedback. That's when my anxiety really does kick in. Like, here it comes. The castle's crumbling. This one customer got upset with me. It's all downhill from here. Um, But I mean, to me, I I would rather deal with a million people. In fact, I used to work with this really great engineer. Horrible anxiety. Suffered from the imposter syndrome. Literally every day I met him. Did not mess up a single implementation in the time we worked together. And he's like, anytime I'd give him a project, his his classic line, dude, I'm not your guy. Like, what do you mean you're, I'm, you're not my guy? Like, you've done Meraki a million times. You're just going to give a class on what you've done. I'm telling you, I'm not I'm not your guy. You know, or um, I'm not going to mention any names, but there's somebody that all of us know who might or may not be on this podcast who who tells me all the time. He's like, dude, I don't I don't know what you're seeing. I'm like, you have no idea how much I look up to you and how brilliant you are. And he's telling me that he's got the imposter syndrome. I'm like, this this is contagious. But it means you're not it means you're pushing yourself. It means that right. you're not comfortable saying, I can make VLANs and I'm done. You know, you're continuing to just just haze yourself with technology over and over. So you're never taking the time to realize you what you've actually already been able to accomplish. Yeah, it does seem like a side effect of that pushing yourself to be better and better. I mean, I know in my old jobs and I'm not knocking them, but guys who were there a really long time, I don't really think they felt like imposters because they did reach that pinnacle where they knew it all and they stayed there and I'm not judging, but yeah, if you keep pushing yourself and getting uncomfortable, I think so it just comes with Is that. the theme that like you should always sort of feel imposter syndrome or you're doing it wrong? I would say if you don't, if you don't get hit with imposter syndrome at least once a week or more, then chances are you're you're probably the guy who's been with your company so long that you know all the ins and outs and you're not trying to you're not trying to bring in new technologies you're not trying to shake shake the ground that it's built on you're comfortable and you know at the end of the day maybe maybe that's good you know there's certain 
situations where you're not trying to revolutionize your IT landscape. You know, if you're in financials with um, like low latency stock trading, chances are you're not like, hey, here's what we're doing four hour downtime during the day. Um, so, you know, you need those guys, but it is a side effect. You know, if you don't feel like you're an imposter, if you don't look in the mirror and go there, today's the day I'm getting fired because everybody realizes I suck. If you don't see that once a week, chances are you're on vacation <laughs> <laughs> or you just, you need a new challenge in front of you. Yeah. That's a healthy growth. I think it's, it's a different thing too, for someone like you who interfaces with customers and suggests all this stuff, there's a different kind of imposter syndrome and it's like external to your company, right? Like, so that's a, that's a whole nother imposter syndrome, right? You're, you're dealing with people that you've never met before that you're just assuming they're much smarter than you, right? Cause maybe they have a higher title. I don't know, but just, just having like a title at like a, you know, a large company, like, like a large financial service that somebody like uh, Andy might work at, right? Like, like if I was interfacing with them, I might be a little intimidated because that's important information, right? So the guys they got on board, like Andy, they're smart guys. I have to convince them and they're going to ask me every little thing, right? It's almost like every time you go into one of these meetings, it's, it's like a, a new, it's a test. It's not multiple choice, right? It's like, it's a pass fail. fail. <laughs> yeah, it's a pass fail and it's like an essay test, right? Cuz it's like you got to articulate your words and you got to find out the subject that you're trying to talk and then get your point across with people that, you know, could potentially be smarter than you. I mean, don't you feel that that's that exists as well? I uh, I definitely have title shock and it's funny because um uh, as as you were saying that I'm thinking back to these different people I met I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to have to do the general version. I met a very, 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 very high-level individual over a civilian government entity. I think that sounds about right. Um, And that was probably, gosh, (laughs) four or five months after working at Red River. And, I mean, I'm going in here, and this is the person who's on, like, the top floor of a D.C. building. And granted, you know, there's there's the support team and we're trying to explain these complex solutions. And before that, the highest person I talked to, you know, I knew some directors, some of the stuff at the uh, hospital I worked at. But this lady is in charge of, you know, full departments of the government. And I'm like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to shut up and I'm not going to add any. I'm not going to open my mouth because I'm going to have her just sit here and think I'm, you know, some guy sitting here just eye candy rather than open my mouth and, and prove like, oh my gosh, you're kicked out. Don't ever talk to me again. Um, but you know, what's funny is as you start talking, as you start loosening up and there's meetings and you got to have at least an hour because the first 10 minutes, you're just, you're just stressed to the max, but then you start relaxing. You're like, if I blow it, I blow it. And, uh, by the time we were done with this meeting, you know, the, the main, um, solu- at the time I wasn't a solution architect. Um, the gentleman who was, uh, did a great job presenting. And, you know, because he did such a high level, I was his color commentator. You know, well, I don't understand what you mean when you say identity. Oh, let me explain that, ma'am. You know, identity can be anything. And you kind of go into it, but you start loosening up. So uh, I'm with you. I mean, I definitely get that title shock. Um, I can say I work for a VP now. 
I have never worked for directly for a VP before. So the my first reaction was like, oh man, I am I am crushing it. Like I am so happy right now. And then that was immediately followed by, oh crap, VPs are definitely gonna realize I'm an imposter. Why did I make this move? I need <laughs> I need to go hide under the stone I just came from and hope nobody disturbs it. Do you think that's because a, a VP would technically know like what you're talking about or, or what, what do you mean by that by a VP would be the one to because they're going to be able to sniff the imposter on me and, and the VP I work for now is an awesome guy uh, comes from a programming background I always make fun of him um, yeah. but I mean brilliant guy his background though is in programming not networking he's told me so many times I don't have the background in networking that's why I want you on my team that's why I have you on my team you know, you're the network guy. And every time he says it, all I can think is he can smell the imposter on me. He wanted to put me under this limelight. He put me under his team so that he can show the whole company how much I suck. Like nobody else was able to figure it out. That's why I'm here. Like when you're dealing with customers and like helping them and stuff, and you know, you said the first 10 minutes are awkward. Do you find that it it would make, I mean, maybe you haven't done it in a while, but would do, you, do you find that it would make for an easier interview if you were to go interview right now after being a solutions architect? I've always kind of been the same on interviews. And you mean like if I were to interview for a job kind of thing? Yeah. So like they were asking you questions just like, you know, basically they would do now, right? Like, cause if you were going to go for another engineering role, I know sometimes or architect role, sometimes I'll even ask you like, Hey, I've got all these sites. Um, you know, you know, drop a solution for me, just whiteboard it. Right. And yeah. you would, which is exactly what you're doing right now, right? On mm -hmm. a, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, does it feel different or like, you know, cause you, you're like under pressure cause you know, being judged by a jury of your own peers, you know, imposter syndrome, um, <laughs> or, or, you know, is it literally just the same thing? So I feel like for me, for interviews, interviews have never been a problem. And, and again, I think it goes back to why it's called the imposter syndrome. Because at the end of the day, um, and, and I got I, I can't wait, you know, we, we got to come back to the interview thing. I'm going to get my soapbox out. We're going to have a great chat about that one. <laughs> um, but really what it comes down to is, are you comfortable in how you're presenting yourself? You know, if I go in there and I'm like, I am, go I am your, uh, you know, data center architect. I'm going to talk to you about data center. We're going to go through uh, ACI and the Juniper one that I can't remember. And we're going to talk about Arista networks and we're going to software to find, you know, if I tried that, I would hope that the customer would kick me out because I'm just not comfortable talking about that stuff. It's not my wheelhouse and it's really not my comfort zone. But when we're talking about things that I'm comfortable with, the words just come out of my mouth and my brain catches up later. My brain's going, okay, what, what did mouth say again? All right. Yeah, that sounds like him. Somebody's got to get some duct tape over that guy at some point. Um, but it really is. It's second nature. You live it so often, you know, 40, 40 plus hours a week. You're spending managing and moving this stuff around. You're just used to it. So do you think it's fair then if like, you know, somebody has like three years experience and they've been like a network admin, let's say somewhere and they're looking to move up? Um, to ask them, you know, questions like that, like, you know, architecture-based questions? 
like tell me what you would I, do here right like here's a bunch of switches here's a bunch of routers here's how many clients i have you know this many different uh campuses you know hook them all together i i feel like so my brother was making fun of me this this is just like more of the interview thing my brother was making fun of me the other day because he says i'm too hard on people in interviews and to me, I'm interviewing you for the position you're taking because I interview for all sorts of positions at Red River. And so if if that job, to your point, you know, if, if the interview consists of, um, I need you to link these five sites together, then I'm assuming that somewhere in that job description, you're going to be linking five or more sites together. Now, if, I'm, if I tell you to create this policy-based rule set on the firewalls that you know, has event-driven tasks in it, and um, you're applying for a design or a network engineer that has nothing to do with security. Well, that's not fair. You know that that's ridiculous. Just because just because the guy interviewing knows it doesn't mean that he's got to push the guy, the interviewee, into trying to answer questions that aren't part of the job. You know, I think that, and I think that I've seen that a few times in interviews and. It really sours my taste for different companies that that try to do that because you're trying to find you're trying to basically break this guy's spirit to make him doubt himself over your own what like satisfaction like what do you what are you, are you getting your kicks from that what's the deal um, so I just feel when you look at jobs you look at the job description you should be able to accomplish those jobs and whatever that interview is should be a subset of what you're doing. And I would say the biggest asterisk I got to put on this, I'm, I'm trying to find the right spot. I got to just say it right here. Okay. Please don't lie on your resume. Dear internet. <laughs> why why not? No, lying. Danny, why not? Why not? We're going to need you to specify why exactly I can't <laughs> lie. Wait, why I need to stop lying on my resume. So when, I, again, if you might, if I'm going to interview on the skills that are required for this job and what's on your resume, because if you put things on your resume and I hire you and now I need somebody that does something and it's on your resume, then I'm going to look to you because it's already an internal resource. I'm not going to go, okay, let's go outsource this or sub this out. You know, you should be able to do this. And honestly, I'm a big integrity person. So I, I recently, um, I did an interview recently and this gentleman had, um, oh gosh, he, he ran the gambit of everything. Like go into Cisco and just find every acronym and put it on a resume kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, he, he said he did BGP and, you know, he was interviewing for the professional services team where it's both network and security. So I kind of get, I get a little bit more leniency with this, um, with my questions that I'm asking. And I said, okay, well, kind of walk me through, walk me through a BGP setup, you know, and he goes, well, you peer them together. And I said, or no, I'm sorry. There was the BGP, the OTV was the good one. And I said, okay, well, walk me through why do you use OTV? Well, because I wanted to stretch a layer two. I said, great. Well, what was your use case? You know, I know, I know what it does, but what was your use case? Tell me what you did here. Well, I stretched layer two. And I'm like, yeah, so were you running unicast or multicast? Because, you know, again, data center, not my wheelhouse, but I know enough to to not get tricked too bad. Um, and he goes, well, no, no, I wasn't using, I mean, it could be unicast, it could be multicast, I'm stretching the layer two. And I said, but my question is, can you walk me through the technical implementation of what you did? 
and he's well we you're, had you're looking you're looking for level. him to say something like like okay so i i have the two routers you know at both sites i i opened them one, one and i set an interface to this and then i you know i put this parameter in that's what you're looking for right yeah something some sort of substance that i'm not getting on wikipedia right um personally if you want the gold star if if Anybody ever comes to Red River and you're sitting on an interview with me and <laughs> I ask you an OTV question, the biggest thing, the, the way to get the gold star and make me smile, tell me about the fact that you now have the same network in two data centers and how you're routing to it. Because everybody looks at OTV and says, I'm stretching the layer two. And I'm like, fantastic. You now have the same network in two spots. So are you tromboning from left to right or right to left? You know, how, how are you handling that? Um, and just so many people want to talk, well, this, you know, this is what Wikipedia tells me. Um, so obviously things started going south and I'm about to close down the tech portion. And this one might've been out of spite. I'll be honest. This, this is my <laughs> confession. Forgive me, Aaron, for I have networks in. Yeah. Well, wow. oh, so I was about to close down the, the tech portion of the interview and I get, and I'm scrolling through his resume and I come across programmability skills, colon, Python, Ansible, YAML, Yang, NetConf, RESTConf. I mean, this laundry list of stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of stuff considering he's kind of bombed every other question. Maybe this dude's a, a, a DevNet guru. Like, so maybe we got some redeeming facts, fact, uh, something here. And so I, I queue it up. Um, by the way, I'll also get to my favorite question. For everybody listening, again, I'm giving them all the pointers on how to how to get hired by me. Um, so anyway, so I queue up this question for him and I say, oh, I see programmability. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, literally just open-ended, balls in your court. Oh, yeah, the other team was making um, programmability using Python, so they were using YAML. And just kind of some of the phrases he was throwing around, I think he was talking about Ansible, but immediately I could tell it wasn't this. This isn't the guy who was doing it. He literally took all the, the words from DevNet that he heard, stuffed them into a line on his resume. Yeah. And so, so I said, well, lie. what did you do with it? Yeah. <laughs> so and it lie. just, it broke down so fast. Don't, don't lie. Don't, <laughs> please don't lie. All right. So, so Danny, talk to, talk to Andy from 2012 who had no experience and only got a CCNA and he was trying to create a resume to apply to jobs. What I did was pretty much put every protocol and every acronym that was in the CCNA because if I didn't, it would be, you know, cable guy who wants more out of life. So like, what does that totally. guy who doesn't have experience put on his resume without it looking like a lie? And I wasn't trying to lie. I just didn't know what else to put at the time. Right, right. Um, hello, 2012, Andy. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, buddy, hang in there in eight years. You're going to be freaking awesome um unfortunately <laughs> he's lying the time i meet you. Dude, that, guy, that danny guy's lying i don't know why he's doing it <laughs> and he's miserable by the time i meet you there's gonna be this thing called coronavirus yeah. um it's not gonna be a good year for anybody no. Uh, no but first off you're not some cabler uh you are a layer one infrastructure engineer oh boy here we um, go so you sound like a politician now <laughs> I'm not going to well, lie. You, know, there's, you, you, you interview thing. people, you interview people, and there's probably people listening that, you know, are in that position or will be soon 
you know, what, what, yeah, what can they say? I mean, obviously play up your strengths, you know, yeah, you're, you know, you, you know, cabling, you're, you know, physical, you want to work up the stack, all that good stuff. But what do you so, put on that resume? You know, uh, to your point, um, one of the people that I was most passionate about bringing in, we had to bring him in as an intern. He was still in college, um, zero experience, literally just college, but he came in and he said, listen, here's, so the point of the resume is to make me want to talk to you. You know, if you, if you think about it, I have an opening, I need to bring somebody in. I now I want to talk to you. So if I'm already talking to you, we're, we're already one step ahead and we'll get to the talking piece. So on your resume, you're going to list that CCNA because that's huge. I know so many people that have literally spent their lives in it, no CCNA, you know, maybe a network plus here and there. Um, don't list expired certifications, no matter how proud of them you were at one time. That just shows me that you don't, you weren't trying to maintain them. Okay, good. I did take down my CISSP. That one expired on me. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, really talk, talk to your strengths. So you, you ran cable. Did you have a team? Were you managing a team? Um, were you in control of your day while you were doing it? How did you... I'm, I look at that and I'm saying, okay, I do need an entry level engineer, somebody who knows the ropes, but I'm going to train up. Um, how's this time management? What, and honestly, entry level, what's your passion for IT? I'll, I'll give you a great example. My brother, my brother was um, Baltimore City Police for like 12 years ish and then got into IT, you know, decided it's time for me to jump in and follow my younger brother's footsteps. Yes, I give him crap all the time. Finally, something over my older brother. Um, so he goes out, he gets a CCNA, or he asked me, what should I do? I said, go get a CCNA and go get a job. Go get a job that needs your CCNA. He worked in um, a knock or a help desk. And then internally, he moved over to the network, the, the actual knock. And then he left there to work at another knock and he took on a job contracting. And finally, the job he's at, you know, he's administering, he's probably three years in the industry and he's doing uh, the firewalls. He's actually doing an ACI deployment. Um, but the whole thing is you can't just say, all right, well, as a cabler, I'm a CCNA and I'm a cabler. So at this point, I believe, I, I mean, roughly speaking, I should be a senior network engineer and anything less would just be ridiculous. You know, it goes back, pay your dues, find the job that's good for you. and you know, ultimately don't forget the companies that give you a chance. You know, that's, that's probably one of my biggest things because um, my last employer took a, took a risk on me. You know, here's some punk Marine just coming out claiming to have a CCNP. Um, but uh, I guess on your resume, you know, put down those skills, put down your time management, your management capabilities, the stuff that makes me want to talk to you. And it doesn't have to be technology because it's entry level. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's good feedback. Um, I think to sum it all up, Danny, you've given us a lot of good nuggets here. Uh, we've kind of woven an intricate tapestry across the IT landscape. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of gems, you know, talk yourself up on the resume, but by golly, do not lie. Do not lie. Do not lie. <laughs> if you're Daniel, you'd say, it, don't lie. Um, <laughs> pay your dues. Do what you got to do to get to that next step. Um, we really appreciate your your time and your feedback and your worldly experience, sir. Um, where can people find you on the internet if they were so inclined to do so? 
Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Semper Finan. Semper Finan. Uh, can you spell that? Yes, I can. S-E-M-P-E-R-F-I-N-E-I-N. So, or if you go find No Blinky Blinky, you'll find me following him like a lost puppy. <laughs> Aren't we all, though? <laughs> He's the Pied Piper. Um, again, thanks for your time, man, for, for us and, you know, all the guys in the room here. We really appreciate it. We know, you know, you got other stuff you could be doing, but sharing your story with all the people that are listening is super valuable. Um, and getting your perspective as a solutions architect is huge too, because that's a job that I would say that most people don't necessarily think about when they enter a networking field. So it's cool to hear your, your experience around that. So um, for links to all of our socials and uh, all that good stuff in there, um, be sure to check out our website, which is awesome. It even has guest blogs on it. Maybe we're going to even put up one of Danny's, I think, at some point. Right, AJ? We we are. We, we are. are. The the week that we drop Danny's episode, we will drop uh, a blog from uh, a blog article from Danny's blog, SemperFinan.com. Sweet. Um, and so links to that uh, will be in the show description, um, a link to all the rest of our stuff on the internet and how to find us join our discord channel as per usual um and until the next episode see ya hey everyone this is aj if you like what you heard today then make sure you subscribe to our podcast and your favorite podcatcher smash that bell icon to get notified of all of our future episodes also follow us on twitter and instagram we are at art of net Eng. That's art of N-E-T-E-N-G. You can also find us on the web at artofnetworkengineering.com where we post all of our show notes. You can read blog articles from the co-hosts and guests and also a lot more news and info from the networking world. Thanks for listening.